Hello, film friends, friends of film, and everyone in between. Welcome to the Film Folklore Podcast. I am Jed Props, and I am joined today by Chris A.D. Hello. And, of course, the magnificent Justin Sound. Hi. Zoe and Joe are not with us today. Uh, Joe is at the Eiffel Tower with Russ T. Hinge. Uh, does anyone know where Zoe is today? I think she went on a uh, hot air balloon ride in Madagascar. In Madagascar. and it's crazy. And she's running away from people who are not chasing her and just declaring she's slowly getting away. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's epidemic in Madagascar that people do that to people in hot air balloons. Yeah. It's weird. There's several other hot air balloons available they could even chase her with, as I understand I'm it. Not doing but it. they're just, no. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing it. No. Um, well, I'm glad she's safe. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I'm excited for our guest today. Uh, but first, we're going to talk a little about uh, production, which is a very broad thing to say. And speaking of, Chris, large open-ended question for you. What does the production office do? Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, they do a lot. Uh, they do. They're basically where the information really gets distributed. You know, lots of times the, you know, we'll make the call sheet, the AD department and stuff. Um, They're the guys that really get it out. They do all the email blasts uh, with everything. Uh, And then really just kind of like every single document that that all departments kind of produce, they take those things, they make sure that they're organized, they categorize them, they get them where they need to go. Um, so it's a very big job. I mean, cause a lot of the documents that, that come into the office are literal legal documents. Um, and so, yeah, they, they do a bunch of things to keep a production going. And, um, with that said, uh, can you explain a little bit about the AD side of it with the AD trailer and, um, cause the production office ties into y'all. Yeah. I mean, we have to work, we work closely, um, with them and i mean a lot of it is that just sort of like if there is going to be a schedule change something unexpected happens we have to pivot you know what are we going to do and you know those guys need to know immediately so that they can start to get the word out and also you know sort of change things change prepare for what is coming next uh we're not going to need this actor because now we're going to shoot these things or whatever okay cool we have to change their contract we have to get in touch with them the travel coordinator has to make different plans uh there's a cascade effect with every little with every little change that happens and those guys are usually sort of the the point person to make it happen yeah for sure um, and then, uh, Justin, uh, sometimes uh, you're tied to a show as a vendor, and um, and you have to deal with production in that sense, right? Yeah, yeah. As a vendor for sound, we coordinate with the office to get the the sound team on set everything uh, that they need, including you know supplemental rentals and expendables and things like that. So I guess the office would be the liaison between the sound department and us, right? It's again that like that center of um, yeah, flow yeah. through or whatever. Right. Um, uh, has anyone worked in the production office before? Um, so I did one show and mm-hmm. um, uh, Zoe's not here to call me old, but um, uh, uh, when I regale y'all with these uh, battle stories or whatever you want to call them, um, back, back when I was in the PA world, um, it took a lot longer to climb up a ladder. And especially if you weren't sure of what you wanted to do. And then also you just want to keep working. So, uh, I did one show in the production office and, um, um, 
the uh, line producer was, uh, you know, a big time person. It was a large show. And um, the production office coordinator and the assistant production office coordinator were these older uh, women that traveled with him everywhere. So they were all out of town. That was like his two people that he brought with him everywhere. They were very sweet. Um, and what became obvious is that uh, for whatever reason, uh, he was incredibly nice to any female and he treated every male like a little piece of shit. And I was on that receiving end, not knowing what I had done to deserve this. In fact, one of those nice ladies said, um, you know what? You should get him some pepper jelly. He loves pepper jelly. And I said, okay, that's random, but sure. So I went out and I bought locally made pepper jelly and I brought it and um, put it uh, in his office. And uh, he had yelled at me the day before because I didn't have his Diet Coke chilled at the right temperature and his food was not hot enough when he came back in the office an hour late. Son of a bitch. From when the lunch had gotten there. And so, um, because that's important and that's definitely something you need to yell at a young person about that's- I would agree. At an entry level. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so I had put the pepper jelly in his office and, um, he, this is how he reacted. And, uh, I mean, it's just comical, but he came out and he goes, oh man, you got the pepper jelly. And then one of his ladies, they said, oh, Jed got it. And he goes, oh yeah, thanks. And he walks back in his office. <laughs> it was just like, what, what have I done to this guy? Um, I don't know you at all. And yet this is this is the kind of stuff that gives people PTSD, by the way. And um, I think a lot of those cultures are changing. But um, it was just one of those things where you're like, why Why would anyone want to endure this? Um, yeah. But um, yeah, the office, like any department, can be a crazy random place of you never know what you're going to get. Also a little scary sometimes. A little scary, a little intimidating. So to have to walk in there as a crew member. Well, it's it's weird. You have to like kind of pass a gauntlet of desks, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. and you don't really know everybody. And um, yeah, it's pretty weird. Oh, you know, you just remind me of something funny that um, just to give people a visual idea, every time a show is over and the building where the offices were has been cleared out and there's just empty desks maybe a couple of empty file folders, maybe a loose piece of paper. There's no equipment. There's no nothing. It literally looks like a sting operation happened. <laughs> it's, it's, I always imagine like a vendor, maybe you, Justin, like coming in with the cops going, no, 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 I was in here two weeks ago. And uh, there was a guy at that desk and uh, there was a, you know, it, that's what it feels like. Like when a show is over, it is over. And, and they that, said they'd pay all my invoices. <laughs> yeah, <there's, laughs> uh, but it is a very... I don't know. We this is this is why we're doing this. It's a weird world uh, that we have. So um, anyway, um, our guest today, as you have heard, is Collier. Uh, Collier is a production office coordinator, also known as a POC, and um, and the POC is kind of like the glue that holds the production office together. And uh, he's going to deep dive into that. And um, yeah, um, I. I don't really know what to call him. I kind of realized, you know, we're going by our last names as our departments because of our radio chatter, as we talked about. Office people, because they're not on radio, suddenly it sounded weird. Do I say call your production or just do I say call your POC? I don't know. I would say office. Office? Call your office? Yeah. It's the office department. Call your office. Call your office. Yeah. Oh, man, that's great. All right. And without further ado, let's welcome Call Your Office. Call your (laughs) welcome. (laughs) 
Hi, Collier. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Hey, Jed. <laughs> um, so uh, we have a lot to talk about today, uh, but first, let's uh, talk about you, Collier, and a little bit about your background. Growing up, uh, were you a, a pop culture consumer, a, a film buff, um, um, a TV movie kid? Yeah. Oh, always. I, I, I've always considered myself uh, with a problem, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, whether it's uh, finding a place to escape or just enjoying a story for what it is and, uh, you know, connecting with other people on the planet, you know. Right. Um, and did was that kind of a, a motivator um, when you were um, getting into the industry or was it all kind of happenstance, like when you found yourself um, – uh, wanting to get in or, or did you kind of just fall backwards in? How, how did you make your entrance? I don't think I've ever really wanted to do anything besides uh, help tell stories oh. um, ever. Uh, you know, there have been other careers that I considered, um, but they all involved helping people through telling stories and getting messages across. And I've always wanted to be uh, involved in TV film, even commercials. And so. And that's great. Fortunate. Yeah. Um, and so did you, go to any kind of schooling for that or um did yeah you? i found myself at uh, the university of alabama uh the same first year for me was the first year for nick saban so that was kind of fun uh, watching that all take off but i at, in high school i had <laughs> no intention of going to alabama it wasn't on my radar at all um the biggest school that i wanted to go to was actually lsu because uh i've been brainwashed by some of my new orleans family and uh <laughs> yeah I, I i got into alabama had no intention of going but my, my parents forced me to do the school visit stepped on campus and it just kind of felt right and then they told me that if i went there that they'd let me work in the uh the tv station and that was oh, like cool. the biggest selling point was i always just you know everybody has access to school but not everybody has access to opportunity and if that was something that they were willing to offer me right out the right out the gate then you know that was that was great that's awesome so, um and that, and when you say TV station, you're talking about a local TV station. Yeah, it was like, local news, <laughs> and I learned quite a bit uh, from 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 that. That's a different world. Uh, I had a brief stint with uh, WWL. Shout out, but um, yeah, it's a it's a different beast um, for sure. High stress, high stress, and yeah. and not very good pay. No, that that's another thing. The, no, the pay is not good. Um, this is kind of a weird one. I don't know if it was the same there, but. There was an in-house uh, PA and there was a freelance PA and I was the freelance PA. Mm -hmm. I made more money than the in-house PA, which to me was backwards, but I also wasn't going to question it because <laughs> you'll take every penny you can get. That's really weird. It is very weird, right? It, it could have changed over time, but um, uh, most of what we did, um, if we were going to do remotes and things like that, or if we were doing lawyer commercials, which was kind of the bulk of the bread and butter for mm -hmm. the TV station. If anyone's ever wondered who does lawyer commercials and where do they happen, they're at your local news stations. Um, did you get to do any lawyer commercials? No, no, but I got to watch quite a few while I was in the booth. No. Oh, that's cool. Okay. So you were on the editing side of it. I, we did quite a bit. I, I, um, I, one, one thing that I've always said uh, is that I, I like doing everything, not, not anything, but everything. And that's always held true, especially at the news station. I mean, there were days where two or three other people that were supposed to be working 
<laughs> weren't uh, showing up. So I would be doing the audio and getting everything set up before the show, picking all the music and everything like that, <laughs> running inside and doing the teleprompter, uh, running the floor with three different cameras set up. Uh, it was crazy. And that wasn't, you know, what I was supposed to be doing. I was like an intern <laughs> making like $6 an hour. <laughs> <laughs> that it is really bad pay. I, I mean, I don't even remember at this point. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not sure I'd, I was making more than $10 an hour. Mm-hmm. That was over 20 years ago, but it's, it was certainly like not a livable wage. Like, Oh no maybe slightly less than a good waiting job. This was like, like straight up a student <laughs> job. And what was very interesting is they, they used the students and uh, all of them sort of waiting and standing by wanting to work at the TV station to keep the pay low for the professionals who were like, oh, yeah. actually like, no, we love Tuscaloosa and we're just going to stay here. And you would see them sticking around and like getting better and better at what they do. And like, Man, like they're they're so good at what they do, and it's like, but why are you still there? It's crazy. I don't get it. Did, did you Tuscaloosa get to, is a cool place? I will say. Um, did you get to do um, like any of the like cooking spots or like the because WWL did a lot of chef spots and everything. And we did like it was like once a week. Yeah, uh, we would have we would have a chef come in and and cook something live, and the crew got to eat. Mm, no? some, sometimes not so much oh. sometimes they That's usually didn't make enough for all of us so it was more like torture and sometimes it would smell like amazing you know especially when they would come in and do like game day barbecue no yeah. no no no, no. Was, uh, uh, he's passed away now is it Frank Davis it was Frank Davis wasn't yeah. it yeah um, R.I.P. Frank Davis but he would come on his spot once a week and it was always he would make extra stuff for the crew and so you know especially when you're the that's naturally knowledge baby yeah when mm-hmm. you're when you're the underpaid um bottom of the you know staircase position that food is coming home with you you are yeah. putting you know yeah i mean you're, you're basically like a a homeless or whatever you you know might as well be like 12th century and you live in the flea bottom or something and you're just putting the bread in your ratty shirt and then running away that's what it felt like but um that was one of the like only perks that, that I certainly recall was like, oh, free food day. And it's also very good food day. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, for you, getting out of the TV station, what was your, what was that a building block for you? Um, how did you, how did you jump from there into the film industry? Well, I mean, that was like, you know, I was still in college. So that was quite literally the beginning of my journey. Um but from there, I took other internship opportunities. One thing I did was um, was do some live concerts at a, at a new amphitheater that opened cool. up in Tuscaloosa. Oh man, that was the coolest. That was that was really um, that was the coolest. Uh, internship and here are some that I did. Uh, shows you got to see. Uh, My morning jacket, three doors down, uh, ZZ Top. That was a that was that wow. was my favorite one. First time I ever got secondhand high. Uh, from, 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 <laughs> contact high. From, but it certainly won't be the last. Yeah, we, were, we were all like, us camera crew, we were outside of their dressing rooms. At the time, I had like no exposure to it. So I'm like just eating a piece of pizza and smelling from the dressing room. And then it just like hit me. And it was oh, like. Wow. Oh, it's from the dressing room. Whoa. I thought it was from the. No, it was like from the wafting crowd. outside just of their the dressing like, room. dressing wow. area. Yeah. 
And it was like, that was the very first time that I ever felt any effects. Uh, like, <laughs> so I, was, I, I never like, I feel good. Yeah. Did you this eat pizza? It's great. You ate a lot of pizza. I right? ate a lot of pizza. That but day. Like, LaGrange yeah. has never sounded better. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> for the first time, I understood the lyrics. <laughs> Legs and, made so much more sense. Yeah. And, and being from Houston and following ZZ Top my whole life, it was like super appropriate. Yeah. How many crew yeah. members are dedicated to the beards? Oh, man. I mean, 15. <laughs> I've lost uh, three, <laughs> at least three, at least three. Yeah, uh, but I don't know. I'm I'm sure so there's some roadies too that are like, no, nope, we're in this too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, of course, now I'm I'm jumping back. I'm not keeping us on track <laughs> at all. That's fine. But when you went to Alabama, I had no idea that it was. Um, I mean, part of you going there was that you could work at this television station. Oh yeah. So y- you knew right away that you wanted your major to be television film yeah and i i honestly didn't even care um about the degree or or anything like that i just wanted to learn as much as i could and take advantage again of every opportunity and uh so my freshman year and my sophomore year i worked at the tv station and after my sophomore year i put in a notice that i wasn't going to be in tuscaloosa for the summer i was going to go back home and somebody claimed that they never got that letter even though i gave it to them twice and then an email form as well. Anyway, <laughs> water under the bridge. But I uh, didn't go back there. And my junior year is when um, Ra- Rachel Ramist came on. Uh, she, she's a, a television director now, but she she turned that program around for me. She like got a whole bunch of DSLRs and introduced us to you know shooting things outside of tape. So it saved us so much time, you know, in editing and all that. But she was a major um, influence on me. Um, so, yeah. yeah. And then after I left the program, I was just better, better for everything that she did. She was the one that got us the internship at the amphitheater, got us hooked up with all these documentaries. Um, and so... Oh, shout out to Rachel, huh? Yeah. She, she, she actually did st- something on uh, Queen Sugar. Uh-huh. And so when I had an opportunity to work on Queen Sugar, like literally the only reason I did it was... Yeah, it was like, oh, yeah. Rachel worked on that. Can't be bad. Yeah. That's that's really cool. And also, I think we should point out that's the attitude. That's the attitude. If you're trying to get in the industry, that is the attitude. Like, you consume everything you can consume. You know, open mind for anything that you are doing, learning, et cetera. You know, you don't have to limit yourself. Um, you know, even accounting is not exciting at all let's be honest oh, but no. it's so vital in today's film industry so i mean and, even knowing accounting you know, is important and, and sometimes it's funny because i've been doing more accounting stuff lately but I, oh, and it, which isn't yeah, yeah. <laughs> thanks jed uh but um sometimes there are shows that are so chaotic that you need to do the numbers because it's like for once something starts to make sense. And when the numbers click, you're like, okay, thank, okay, this does make sense. But that's not always how it goes because every single show has chaos at some point and we're always ready to tackle it. But there's always that aftershock and the accounting is what releases. It's like getting a, rubbing a knot out of your back basically oh. is what the accounting does. I like that analogy. Yeah. Because you can actually, you actually know where you are. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like, it's weird. Like, I look at the production report at the end of every night, and I feel like Tank in the Matrix, 
<laughs> like looking at all of the numbers, I can see the whole day. I see conversations that crew had, like goofy ass conversations that didn't take place. Like I imagine that. I'm like, oh, at lunchtime, they talked about this section over here. With that in mind, you know, yeah. so if you get to Neo level uh-huh. and, you know, he's seeing people in three-dimensional, you know, the green stuff. You got it. You Do got you it. see people, but instead they're just covered in, like, purchase orders and check requests <laughs> yes. and other paperwork? Yes. <laughs> Everyone's like a accounting paper mache to you? Yeah. When, when Bill and Ted <laughs> Face the Music came out, my son was like, what did you do on this? And I was like, well, you see... Everything on screen has paper, has a paper trail. <laughs> and that paper trail comes across my desk at some point. It, and did he start crying immediately at He's, how boring that was? Dad, that's, that's so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> you're amazing. You're the best dad. I'm so lucky. You're like, and you're like, well, we'll talk about it later, son, but if you can fill out these documents and then turn them in to my secretary, and then we'll talk about how much you love me later. Uh, he told me last night he wanted to act. I was like, no, you don't. <laughs> you stopped that thinking yeah, right we, now. Well, we started watching Stranger Things, uh, which was probably a, a very irresponsible parenting decision. Um, I should have probably pulled the plug two seasons ago, but uh, here we are uh, halfway through season three. He's three now, right? He's, he's eight, right? <laughs> and he's like crying before bed, and he's like, I just... I wish I had a friend group like that. And I'm like, man, I wish we had a mind flare too. But no, he connects that. that with like being an actor. He's like talking about Sulphur Springs too. And he's like, yeah, I want what those kids have, like those groups. And I'm like, you don't have to be an actor. Well, yeah, yeah. Right, you're, you're eight, and uh, that's why. So are you going to show him response. Stand By Me next? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, too, can go find a dead body with your close friends. And then we start going on all these, like, hikes in, like, rural Mississippi, and he's like, uh, why are we out here, Dad? Remember that movie? <laughs> Just keep walking down this yeah. railroad track. <laughs> We're doing our first Boy Scouts camping trip. Uh, in a, like a week and a half. That's cool. Maybe we'll find a dead body. <laughs> Something. I think that he just needs to be, you know, he needs to defeat evil. If you if you're going to go hiking, evil must be defeated in some way. So, yeah. I don't know how you do that, but you'll figure it out. I'm willing to become evil. Evil. If if it's for the greater good. You well, know? it's scouts, so it has to involve not tying somehow, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like, uh, I, all I know is that if I can complete this hitch knot evil will be vanquished, you know? Ooh. Yeah. Or a square hitch. Or a, well, let's not get into that. So let's turn focus to the production office and how you got into the production office before you started climbing up that ladder of the production office. Well, not to talk about my, my older son some more. <laughs> he got you the job? He got me the job. Oh my God. No, but he this pushed me. Great. So uh, after Alabama, I had enough saved up, moved out to uh, Los Angeles, and um, stayed out there for a few years. Uh, wife and I got married, and after three years of being out there, we found out we were having a baby, and... Uh, Life in LA is very expensive, and especially when you're already just like doggy paddling to stay afloat. And so we moved down to New Orleans and um, got got set up here. But that window of being able to like work in production was definitely closing because we were so young. The money was pretty much gone from living in LA. I mean, we had to sell my wife's car to just to move here. Oof. Yeah, it was. We were we were 
you know, not, not in the best of shape. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I just did whatever I could to climb my way out, but I knew that with, with the birth coming, uh, the window to have steady income and any capacity was going away because it's so hard doing what we do and jumping from job to job to be able to plan for a family. Oh yeah. And, um, uh, yeah, I did background work, <laughs> signed up, was a background actor, passed out my resume to literally everybody I could at every lunch break and every wrap because I wasn't going to be the inappropriate one who was trying to mingle, you know, uh, when they're supposed to be just keeping quiet. And Should we? <laughs> I, I'm looking at Chris and I am having a moment to say before we just announce that it's a good idea for every background to <laughs> apply themselves for work behind the camera. Um, I feel like we should put a disclaimer there because that is awesome. And there are I was great very stories. appropriate in yeah. the way I went about it. And that's the most important thing is uh, as a background actor, I was hearing other background actors say what they were doing and it was almost always ridiculous. Ridiculous. They're oh, yeah. almost always going about things the wrong way, not being professional. Yes. Every, just because you you get put in one thing doesn't mean that you're worthy of getting an agent or jumping into SAG right away. You have you've got to put the work in. Yeah. It's we all do. And um I was doing what I had to do. I was following directions and I was waiting for eye contact from someone else. <laughs> and I mean, that, yeah, yeah. And, and that's that really is kind of how it um, it is gone. And I mean, like I have, there's been a lot of people that are in the AD department that are successful ADs that started in background. Mm -hmm. But um, it, you know, we we have to get to know you a little bit. You know, I mean, it, it's not like you just show up as a background and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, great, cool. Well, we'll just, you're not background any longer and now you're a PA. Right. Like, it doesn't yeah. work like that. We, we have to know if, um, you know, if you'll actually. A little bit of a vetting. And, and I had it's, a it's good a vetting, resume. You yeah. know, it's p paying attention and just like, you know, you've you got to be able to to kind of follow instruction, but, but do the job. And so, um, you know, and I mean, it's. Uh, Right now we're sitting here and we're talking and I mean like the bullets are not flying and like it's all good. It can absolutely happen. But like when the bullets are flying, you know, it's just sort of like, hey man, listen, we can't, I can't talk to you for 20 minutes about what it is that you need to do right now. Right now I need you to go to to mm -hmm. costumes and I need you to get in costume when we need to get you on set. Um, so yeah, you just have to basically, you have to do your job. It is wonderful to let people know that you aspire to do something else. Uh, but then you got to kind of do the job that you were that you were given that day, one hundred percent, as sort of the vetting process. Yeah, following yeah. directions is a very good stepping stone. Staying in your lane, <laughs> totally. Yeah. yeah, stay in your lane. Doing as you're told is a very good uh, thing. And and, and uh, I've I've said it on another episode on the podcast. I think it was the first episode, but um, I had the same intro. Like I, I was background and shout out James Rock who who got me behind the camera yes. in production, but. Um, it, it was that same thing where I'm putting my head down. I'm mm -hmm. doing exactly what I'm told. I saw a window, which was, it just, something looked obvious that they were having staffing issues, that there was, they needed help. And mm -hmm. so it was lunch and James 
didn't look busy. And so I politely approached him and asked him if he remembered me from an uh, internship commercial. And he said, yeah, 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 man, I remember you. And we exchanged numbers and then he, he brought me on as a set PA. So it was, you certainly, I don't want to say strike when the iron's hot kind of thing, but it's, it's knowing when it, when is a safe time to maybe approach those things. Yeah. Keep your head down, stay in your lane and keep learning stuff so that when the right opportunity comes up, you're ready to take advantage of it. Like, in in fact, let's go the opposite direction. Let's talk about (laughs) background that we see all the time that are Mm -hmm. nice enough people, but maybe for example, um, let's say we're on a show, Chris has sent the background to props um, so that we can prop them out with whatever it is we need. Maybe let's say they're cops. And so we got to put all the cop gear on them. I can't tell you how many times I'm dressing them out and either they're giving me advice <laughs> on, on how I need to be doing my job. Um, uh, I love it when, when I get told something like, no, 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 the microphone goes here. And I'll say, well, I didn't know that all cops put the microphone in the exact same place all over the world. But thank you for telling me that. And uh, then later that same person will go, so y'all looking for uh, day players and props? And my first thought is, hell no. Yeah. <laughs> you can go yeah. way over that way. Yeah. And, uh, and it's also like, you know, we all talk. So, yes. you know, if, if somebody wants to be um, their background and they want to be uh, an AD or PA, you know, and, and they're nice enough to everybody in our department, but, you know, we know that they've been rude to props or to costumes or to makeup, you know, that's not, that's not good. You know, you gotta be, you have to be kind to everybody. Um, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So again, uh, just, uh, maybe this was our, our little PSA moment. Um, but, uh, because, uh, Collier did it right. Um, so let's get back to the production office and you were starting to go into, um, favorable hours. Um, and so that is a very good, uh, point about office work is that, Oof. You're, what are favorable hours? <laughs> that you're not typically working at 1 a.m. Oh, I'm not. Not in the office usually. Oh, my bad. Once my you're bad. once you're the coordinator, right? Now oh, on the on the once climb I'm the coordinator, to that. I don't work at 9 a.m. at the office. I know, oh. right? Nine to five, you're out. Isn't that how it goes? I'm on call, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think most of the office. We should be clear, not just the production office, but um, pretty much anyone in the office is on call. I don't. <laughs> I well, look, I, I, I know what the standard used to be. I know what it's becoming. I know what it is right now. And I don't really care for any of it. I sort of uh, decided that I'll do it my own way. Um, I think that, look, when I was a PA starting out, uh, I used to have to stay in the office until the call sheet came out. And I'll have to send it from the office. I'd have to print it all out from the office and get and get things ready. And, um, you know, the, the first show that I'm specifically thinking of, there would be days where I would be in the office at 5.30 a.m. doing this kind of thing, even though nobody would, you know, that's something that could have been done first thing in the morning. Somebody somebody else was going to be coming in in like two hours, and then we're, we, the shoot's not going to be for another six or whatever. And so, uh, yeah, I always like went with that sort of, I'm not going to say abuse, but it was abuse. Uh, and, <laughs> but it was the job. And I hated it so much that I sort of promised myself um, and, and very much the same way that you parent when, when 
you are parented a certain way. Uh, it doesn't mean that it's right or wrong, but you're like, I don't like this aspect. And so I'm not going to put that on other people. So as a coordinator, guess what? There are still some days where I'll wake up at 4 a.m. and go and print the sides so that no one else has to worry about it. We, we I, I operate as a team with everybody around me. And so we sort of try to keep it balanced by who's stuck at the office and those obscure hours. Um, I try to work from home as much as I can, but that rarely works out. That, that's something that, yeah, and to your point, that I I would agree has been changing to some some level, but like it, it there used to be this expectation that you had to be in the office all the time, and I don't know we, maybe it was before the pandemic shut down, but it that pressure came off with the realization of how much you can do away from the office with modern right. technology and everything, and so it it just it's easier. And again, going back to your family point, it just relieves a lot of the stress and anxiety that can happen, especially when you're in a family situation. It, it also, uh, I mean, the importance of original documents <laughs> is can't be uh, something, the, the change in the importance we, we place on yes. original documents has changed over time. So it used to be, um, you know, those original production reports that come from set, those are the Bible. And the ones that come, or the uh, the exhibit Gs that come at the end of the night, those are sacred. And those have to be protected no matter what. And so that had a big part to do with why we wait for transport to come at the end of the day. And then, of course, there are always those nights where they don't come. And so we're there for nothing. But Oopsie. Whoopsies. Um, but we just have to laugh and... <laughs> go about it because well, that was really funny how I stuck around for four hours for uh, yeah no oh, well. yeah, for real I, I, I've gotten to the point where enough stuff like that has happened to me over the years where it's almost all just a joke like I, I really I almost look at every single moment like it's a setup for a good joke <laughs> I can see disaster around every corner because I've seen it before you know mm-hmm. and, and I'm like edging for it <laughs> <laughs> Wait for it. Yeah. Like I've got a dad joke like ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> so let's 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 get into to the hierarchy. Um will you uh give a little breakdown of the production office um uh personnel uh top to bottom? Yeah, um I'm gonna start with line producer at the top. Mm-hmm. You know, there are other producers as well, uh, but we always take our direction from the line producer. Uh, that's, you know, they see all the numbers, um, when they are a tank in the matrix, you know, yes. I, 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 that's, that was the comparison that I said earlier when I'm looking at the PR, but they're looking at everything in that way. I'm only looking at that. I was talking about the, the PR, they're looking at the budget in that way. Yeah. They, they and see the overall everything. budget. Yeah. And they work very closely with the UPM. The unit production manager. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes um, sometimes we've got a supervisor as well. We don't always. Um, I have a question about that, but we'll go back to it. <laughs> don't bother. Um, <laughs> and and then, uh, then on this one, it was, well, like the one that we just did, it was line producer, UPM, and then, and then me. Mm-hmm. Um, production office coordinator. Exactly. Production office coordinator um, slash accountant extraordinaire. Yeah. Slash, no, uh, 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 more familiarly known as the POC. 
Yes. Yeah. And and but the the structure is is usually different depending on the budget. Um, this is the first time I've only had um, one uh, designated office PA. Mm-hmm. So that was that was interesting. Um, and I mean, Katie did great because you know she was it, everything was dead. So shout out Katie. Yeah, shout big, big, big shout out to Katie for stepping. And then stepping before we us. before we skip too far, um, your assistant production office coordinator, the APOC, yes. as your right hand person, that um, uh, we were saying a minute ago that um, your your maybe work work My right hand your work wife Rachel. your work husband kind of person who, depending on who they are. Yes, you know Rachel and I have done quite a few together and. Uh, Shout we, out Rachel. We just yeah, uh the working relationship that she and I have, that Katie and I have, we just sort of get each other. We're sort of like a family at this point. In a way that uh while we do have crazy witty banter all day long, um, we could just as easily keep our mouths shut for an entire day and still be on the same page. Oh yeah, you can definitely t- sense the mood yeah. when you pass through the production office at different times, and that that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons that uh, we wanted you on is because you're um, one of the more um, uh, actively happy, trying to enjoy my day um, office side people. Because you certainly got a lot of people that are very serious, very locked down, and then you have other people that can be good at their job, but also try to. Uh, have fun with their department, have fun with their day. And mm-hmm. there's something to be said about that. Yeah. It, there's, uh, <laughs> it, it, there's, there's like a, I, it, you have to be careful not to create a toxic work environment when you go about that way too. What? I know. I sorry to ju- just like jump, jump ahead in, in this maybe what a little new bit. Fangled I know, talk is but, <sighs> but when, um, a lot of the times people keep their offices super quiet because they're afraid of inviting the wrong kinds of personalities because when people become too comfortable with themselves, then they start to make other people feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. and that is a toxic work environment. So right. you have to know exactly who you're working with. And I think that's the biggest challenge of it is getting to know every single person on the crew and getting to know which uh, conversations are appropriate and which ones aren't while also never like crossing that standard road of what's appropriate and what's not. Um, You don't want to play devil's advocate uh, just, you know, because it's a fun, fun game to play with people when you're drinking in the, you know, you don't want to do that in the office. Wait, when you're drinking in the office? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, uh, 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 when it's Friday and it's seven and it's uh, uh, a prep and uh, look, um, what I'm saying. Did I say office? I'm in my car. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> at 7 a.m. Yeah. before I go in. <laughs> you mean when you drive drunk yeah. to work? Well, it's, it's until you get to your desk where your handgun and your whiskey are in the drawer next to you. you yeah. Know, that classic uh, thing. Yeah. But yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I like nowadays that also um, everyone's got the elevating desks that you can stand up, sit down, and mm-hmm. raise and lower the desk. It's for, for an ADD individual, it's, it's the pinnacle of, of work. I, I mean, I, the first time I was on a production, I had five or six different desk stations because I can't stay still. And so the, the desk that goes up and down, it just fixes all of that. It's like, I only need one desk. Uh, but you know, all, all, let me, let me go back. All five of those desks. It was like, there was a chair at a different height. Mm-hmm. 
you know, mm-hmm. the, the desks themselves were different heights. It was like, this is where I do my PR. This is where I. So you're essentially Goldilocks going around the office. That's what they call mm-hmm. <laughs> That's how you he got your nickname Goldilocks. Different altitudes of his computer. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I mean, one for, from an ergonomic standpoint, it just looks like it's easier on your body because the, a lot of those mm-hmm. office jobs, when they get busy, you can kind of forget how long you've been sitting. Yeah. Like you forgot to stand up, and then when you do, you hear your whole body like you know. What, what we need next is toilets that go up and down. Let's not. <laughs> we should not. That should not be a thing. No. Um, this office had five floors, and it was like depending on my mood. Yeah. That sounds like a producer that, that's saying like, you know, work efficiency we could had, be a little bit higher if you just put the toilets at the desks. I would say 10-1 to 10-5. Depending you guys on going to take five to 10 minutes to relieve <laughs> yourselves is counterproductive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I, I bring it up also because um, uh, kind of going back to like, you know, reading the room, you know, uh, feeling the mood and everything, there are moments where you can tell how busy you are based on your desk elevation, your concentration to your screen, you know, Mm -hmm. but um, then there's other times you can come in where you're taking a break, which is important. I think for all of us um, that we should all make sure we're taking breaks because we have long hours. But um, the last job we did together, um, there were extra desks in the production office that were not being used. And yet Collier found a way to utilize the extra space. So there's like a game activity that's happening on this Corn desk. <laughs> and then, you know, uh, this other uh, free desk is being used for extra like storage basically but <laughs> on the desk and everything. And I just, I like the idea that you're like, Hey, it's there. So I'm going to use it, you know, even though there's not a person there. Oh yeah. 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 Somebody in your in prep was like, Hey, uh, do y'all have any extra desks? And I just sort of stared. Yeah. This one's being used. Yeah. It's um we use that one for cocaine. Yeah. We, use that one. <laughs> we need that. So yeah, sorry. I had a giant Jenga set up. I had a putt putting. It's like there's nothing on there now. It's like there will be. There will be, buddy. Yeah, don't you worry. Don't you don't even look at it. In fact, let's leave this room. You you can't tell that it's used for cocaine because it's been licked so clean. Of course. Uh, by all the different people, because that's sanitary. Yeah. Um I got a weird flashback of a uh, Bourbon Street shots no it's gross oh gross Mm -hmm. gross anyway um uh so um uh we we need to finish our uh because you mentioned katie and again shout out katie normally her job would have been a production secretary yeah and she's very capable of stepping up to apoc as well um i was very lucky that she was available and uh, you know obviously um very sympathetic to the situation of like not having any production work going on. Yeah, so I knew this, she this was is, available and she's a pal. So. Yeah, this was during the strikes. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and then rounding out the bottom is the office PA, the office production assistant. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, one of the um, <laughs> one of the things that I wanted to ask you about today, um, which I think is important, some would call it the most important question that you have to deal with every day, and it's usually around 10 a.m. Oh, God. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and what would that be? What's for lunch? What's for lunch? What are we doing for lunch? What do y'all want? What are y'all in the mood for? What's my, what, what's Collier's pet peeve? Oh, picking lunch? Collier, what do you want for lunch today? <laughs> That's See, I, I, I sympathize because y'all were smart years ago to tell the art department to go get their own damn lunches. Yes. And so 
that at least cut the numbers down that y'all yeah. had to deal with. But then it also put the burden on the art department coordinator to basically have to do what you're doing for that world. But it's also another reason it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Art department are the snootiest eaters. That is your yeah. like um, uh, your foodies, yeah. Your yeah. true foodies, and in, in like food elitists. Only mm-hmm. kale grown in Iceland right. will, will work for me. Or I, I gotta disagree. I think apples. production folks can definitely be foodies, but oh, we, they can. But we enjoy sure. more junk. I, yes. w- I would also. That's the difference. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say generally a film crew. Period. Those yeah. are some <laughs> of your your pickiest eaters on planet Earth. I'll I'll actually. Yeah. Um, I mean, I won't say them by name, but there was someone who had been doing the same path that you're on. They were a POC at the time, and then later a UPM. And um, this is back when I was coordinating. And this person was notorious for ordering the worst of the worst food. So it'd be like Chili's and TGI Fridays and Applebee's mm-hmm. and every other chain America restaurant. And it's like, look, not to be spoiled because we're in New Orleans, but dude, oh, like, yeah, yeah, there yeah. are better options here. Yeah. Well, the same person um, turned into a health nut. And then they went 180 and so on on different shows. Now they're ordering all the super healthy stuff, the super local stuff and everything. I flippantly made a comment that later I was like, I guess I shouldn't have said it, but I just said like, oh, y'all should have seen this guy. He used to like order chilies and Applebee's all the time. Apparently he did not like that comment and he held a bit of a grudge for a while where I actually had to, I mean, to me it's petty, but whatever. Um, But uh, when he moved up, he actually like wasn't hiring me because he was holding a weird grudge as if I like embarrassed them in a weird way. So it was, and I'm sorry if you're listening, I don't think you are, but um, I'm not sorry. I'm not not actually sorry because I mean, you know, yeah, I added him, I guess, (laughs) but I I mean, whatever it's food. Um, I can't wait to find out who this is. But this is the importance of food. I I mean, I say this to say this is how important food is uh, in in the ranking of the importance of the day. Like, it should not be as high as it is. Oh, yeah. No, and to add to your point, to blow your mind just a little bit, (laughs) and to go back to me being tank, (laughs) when I I notice a specific department that is, like, you know, known for being picky eating, and I start noticing that on all of their – uh, receipts. It's like McDonald's, Canes, Popeye. I'm like, oh shit, they're super stressed out. <laughs> they don't have time to eat what they want, and I know they're not happy with what they're eating. Yeah, and so then I'll like check in. Hey, y'all good? And nine times out of ten, no, things are not okay, dude. That is that is very very interesting. I analyze all of that total BS. <laughs> And yeah. it, it helps. Yeah. It all helps. Let's, Those let's tiny add to little that. details. Let's add to that. Mm-hmm. We, so everyone listening uh, is aware, there's also limits to your lunch. So let's say oh, yeah. uh, keep it under $15. Maybe that's what the note With tax. is. And, yeah, <laughs> including tax and tip. Um, <laughs> that iced tea sounded good, but you probably can only get water. But um, And for, also don't make, don't make your PA bring back a bunch of damn drinks with lunch. That's cruel, man. I'm it guilty. is. I'm That's really cruel. Is. I'm so guilty. Yeah. I, I, I always want iced tea. The worst, uh, so also the individual lunch thing, uh, you know, when it's everybody ordering together, it makes more uh, sense to do like the big pans and whatever. Yeah. 
I'll never forget Joey K's putting a pan of damn gravy down in my car and then slapping down mashed potatoes on top of the gravy pan. Oh, wow. And they didn't have it sealed at all. So that mashed potato gravy just got all over my car and they refused to. Um, the gravy take mobile. Care of it. <laughs> it's now the gravy after. mobile. Yeah. <laughs> so I think of that. Uh, every time yeah. uh, p- people order a bunch of drinks and anything liquid. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely guilty of the drinks. Um, yeah. But Because guess what? When we when we try and be like, hey, production, or, hey, producer, my car got really dirty on this you know, run. Can I get a car wash on the card? You always get a blank stare like you did something horrible, <laughs> even though it's like the most sensical thing ever. Oh, yeah. Um, thanks, and, and, and thanks, Chad. And, as we've <laughs> said, yeah, as we've said, uh, you were welcome. Hope you like um, your boba tea, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> It's unsweet tea. It's the only way I want it. It's all in my car now. Um, at least in my, you know, my my drink order doesn't stink. Um, just for the record. Oh, okay. But um, it the reason I was bringing up the the limit though is going back to your tank reference. Um, if someone is constantly ordering fast food, but they are also pushing themselves to that limit <laughs> because it's fast food. So you know, if you think about fifteen dollars of Taco Bell, you know, just throw that out there. Does that raise the concern bar more that you're noticing that they're? Uh, it's not only that they're eating no. on the fast food; it's just that they're eating at the limit. I think once you make the choice. <laughs> Like you make the choice, you know, do they, when they're ordering $15 of Taco Bell for like the hundredth day in a row, <laughs> did they have to listen to the Eagle song, take it to the limit <laughs> Yeah, right. and in, cry in, in, while in, eating that Mexican right. pizza? They listen to the, the, uh, YouTube, uh, uh, Taco Bell folk song, um, uh, that, uh, feel free to look that up. Um, maybe <laughs> we'll re- put it in the show. Notes I really am. <laughs> yeah. I need to take notes. This is um, very good. Uh, so, um, <laughs> moving on, um, what we haven't talked about, I mean, we've been dancing around it, but tell us about what the POC does. Like, what are the main responsibilities for the POC? Hmm. Man, it's, it's a lot. It, I know. Yeah, it's a lot. It's, uh, it's corralling just about everything. Uh, you've got the line producer at, uh, up, up top. And you have to have everything completely buttoned up and delivered to them so that they can do their job effectively. Um, then you've got the UPM slash supervisor or supervisor, and they're right there with the line producer and the ADs, making sure that everything is running smoothly on set and also, you know, syncing up with the budget. And if uh, if if I don't have everything buttoned together, if I don't have all the the cast contracts done on time, if um, if the production report has too many errors at the end of the day and we don't fix it the next morning, then we're looking at you know a world of trouble at wrap. And um, these 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 are we're going from job to job. It's not uh, you know it's one big career. But jobs all end, and we're only on them for so long. So it's uh, it's it's basically making sure that we have everything from everybody from a show before they all leave and go away. So, and you actually we, made a good point to me the other day, mm-hmm. uh, per the most recent thing we did was um, departments like like mine. It's almost like we need to be off for a few days yeah. before coming back on to wrap because of when you think about things got to ship out, they got to land. You know, maybe you're you're waiting on an invoice that still hasn't come in and everything. Because once we're off the show, we're no longer on the clock. You do get extremely hesitant to be helpful. It's like you know, 
Mm-hmm. The bosses, the big bosses, wanted us off the show. They wanted you know, off the clock as fast as possible to save a few dollars on a show that, you know, whatever, hemorrhaged money. And it's like, well, I hope that, you know, $500 really Look, helped. Like, if, if I'm getting an email over and over from a vendor and I'm noticing uh, my boss or my boss is on it as well, and they're saying, hey, y'all owe us this money. And then a month later, hey, y'all owe us this money. And then a month later, hey, you owe us this money. Like, I, I'll see someone else on there that should be taking care of it. And I know that, like, they're in the same boat, though. They're not on the show anymore either. But at that point, it's it's always very awkward because it's like, then I have to go around them or I have to go back to them. And then it's like it opens up this can of worms of, uh, well, now I'm having a conversation that's going to last an hour or two about this job. And that's taking up my time that I, you know, I'm never going to get back. So, yeah, the hesitation is always going to be there. But at the same time, like we have to just take care of things and especially make sure vendors get paid and that kind of thing. So that, that dance is a funny dance uh. sometimes too, with your, you're trying hard to not bother the person who's no longer on the show, but you still need these answers, this information. Yeah. And, um, comically there was a show I did where I was still getting contacted by people almost a calendar year later. And there was a moment where I said to, it was a post-production supervisors, producer, somebody like that in, po- in post. And they were, they had reached out for maybe the third time. And, and, mm-hmm. and this is when I was still an art department coordinator. And um, I just had, you know, there's this grace period of what you'll allow. And then eventually you have to say like, look, respectfully, I've been off this show for five months. And if you want to send me a time card, I'll happily fill out a time card and then I can help you with your problems. Mm-hmm. This is where it got comical. From that point for the next, like, you know, whatever, six-ish months, it was a different person contacting me each time. It was almost like they put it in the yep. notes. You you get one call to him before he's going to shut you down. You're going to get one call to him before he shuts you down. You know, and so the, I realized what was happening is that they were just trading it around to act, and then playing dumb, like, oh, I'm, oh, yep. oh, did they already talk? Oh, I'm so sorry. So since we're on the phone, um, you know, do you have the clearance form for that? And it's like, everything's in the rat binder. Everything's mm-hmm. in the rat binder. So... It is that thing where it is a dance of sorts that you got a lot to deal with in rap and you need to get information sometimes that is not readily there and you have to, you know, um, what's a good word for it? Just uh, uh, carefully sometimes approach, you know, hopefully everyone left the show on good note. I mean, God forbid that it was a sour departure and and you need information from them. As a coordinator and especially at rap, and having everybody turn things over. It's, man, the analogy of um, when I was in elementary school and we all went into the lunch cafeteria and lunch is over, you have to throw away your food. Well, you can't go back to class and everybody gets in trouble if there's still trash all over the tables. So I was like hit over the head with, it doesn't matter if the trash is yours and you already threw away your trash, everyone's responsible for cleaning the damn table. That's exactly how a coordinator feels. It's like the trash is always left on the table and everyone just sort of stands there and looks at each other and they're like, well, I mean, you're, you are the coordinator. <laughs> and it's like, oh, mother, motherfucker, fuck you. Fine, I'll do it. Fine. And then they're like, oh, office, office dream. <laughs> That's a, and, and so kind of winding us down, um, when it comes to, to being the the coordinator of the production office, 
uh, I mean, would you agree or, or, or would you elaborate on, like I, I'd put it in the notes because I was trying to think of like production office plus accounting collectively are sort of like the nervous center of a production in general. Oh, yeah. And everything has to flow through y'all. Um, y'all are sort of in tandem. Um, and, uh, and like to your point, you're doing accounting work at the end of that show. Um, but uh, what can you say to... Um, being that nervous center, um, how you have to deal with anybody at any given time, the importance of of maintaining that flow in that communication and everything. Like I, we haven't talked about it too much, but I, the production office is absolutely vital. Uh, yeah, um, I mean we're like an information hub. Yeah, we we have to have we have to know exactly what the updated information is. At all times, um, we have to know what conversations are currently going on. Um, we have to be very careful with our reaction time and think, uh, you know, for instance, there will be times that a call sheet comes out and we'll know, oh, I see a mistake right here. This is totally going to be fixed in five, four, three. Oh, here's the email. It just, it says hold off. But um, your instinct is always to do things right away. And um, as, as a coordinator, you, you learn over time how to adapt and how to, to sort of read the possible playbook, how to put out fires before they come out. Um, you know, it's just like a running back having to um, make sure that they hit the hole at the right time. That's, I like that analogy. It's about getting ducks in a row. That's that's what it all is. It's um, you know sometimes you're going to get an amazing opportunity that you're going to have to pass on, knowing that it's going to come back around a couple more times, and you're going to get frustrated each time you have to pass up the opportunity. But it's only because you're looking at something else that's going to line up with it later on. Yeah, and. Um, that's something that's very hard to explain to people <laughs> because we, we operate on a very limited amount of time that we're given. And so sometimes it will seem like we're just sitting around not doing anything and it's because we're maximizing our time. Yeah. And um, it's those moments that I start cutting up and, um, you know, checking in on people and making sure that everybody's going to be ready, ready to go once those ducks are in a row um, so, you know, a lot of times it'll, yeah, we'll seem like we're being completely nonsensical and that I'm being silly and goofy and whatnot. Um, you're like a plane in a holding pattern. Yeah. And you're the crew members making sure everyone's good to go. Everything's great. Mm -hmm. You want another snack, another drink before we land? Oh, well, we're landing everyone. Never mind. Exactly. Uh, uh, is everybody buckled up? Great. Yeah. yeah. And plane lands. Next problem. New plane taking mm -hmm. off. Um, it, it's... It, it, it's one of those things that it can be such a headache. And I don't know, I just always admire the people that are in the high stress jobs that can handle it well, that can manage their emotions, that can also do a good job at, you know, at, at the actual task at hand and manage people underneath them. I mean, it's a lot to ask. And I think, you know, a POC is one of those jobs that you just, you're either good at it or you're not. You know. And just like everybody else, I don't know if you've seen Severance on on, on Apple. Great show. It, but it's very much like that. Um, I, I do 
compartmentalize my emotions. And Wait, I, you don't know what your other self is doing? <laughs> I disassociate, believe it or not. I'm so, told I have a child. So, I, mean, I, you should, I should have had my wife on the pot. <laughs> no, no. Your other self is doing something criminal right now, I tell you that much. <laughs> so, yeah. That is for sure. <laughs> yeah, but it's... Um, it's at work. I uh, I don't just focus on the tasks at hand. Uh, you have to be able to manage all the people around you. And there have been shows that I do where I'm talking one department head out of quitting every single day while talking myself <laughs> into staying around. And that's very much um, how every single job is. Not always to that extent. But it's always checking on other people and reading myself at the same time and making sure that we're all being taken care of. I think that um, especially when so many people do disassociate and have different lives outside of work and with the limited amount of time that we have to do that outside of work, uh, the people that we work with are basically our family. And it's, it's good to see that while also knowing that it's a professional environment. And uh, yeah, it's, it's all about managing people, knowing what they need. Managing people. Um, so getting out of here, um, we have um, a soapbox available if you'd like to stand on it and say something, or you can optionally impart some wise advice, um, maybe good or bad, um, to people listening, maybe... Um, people interested in the industry, people that do work in the industry. Um, it's kind of a, a open mic opportunity for you to uh, say whatever you want. Uh, write it out. Write it out. Um, Is that a W-R-I-T-E or a R-I-D-E? Write it out. <laughs> <laughs> Never enunciate and write it out. Write it out. Write it out. Write her out. <laughs> Wait, what? Um, who? No, but uh, this took a turn. Things are always going to be hard. Me, when, when, when we moved here, and I had the baby on the way, I was making like five hundred and fifty bucks before tax was being taken out every single Oof. week. Yeah, like that. Talk about doggy paddling and and staying afloat. What it being in L.A. Wait, why was it not working in L.A.? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because after paying rent, I only had two two hundred dollars uh, to 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 play. And anyway, and and yeah, you know, and that was gas. <laughs> yeah, sharing a single bedroom apartment with twelve other people was uh, yeah. very difficult. Yeah, um, with a baby on the way. And so it was extremely tough. Uh, it's not for everybody. Um, there have been so many deaths uh, in the, in the family. There have been times where I was basically homeless. There have been times, uh, where I was about to give up and there will be times that you do. And you just have to always put yourself out there and keep working towards your goal. Um, get creative, but don't, don't give up whatever you do, if this is what you want to do. And if you have any hesitation, that's probably not right. I like that. I like that. Um, all right. Well, Collier. I totally want... just contradicted myself and you didn't catch that at all. I don't. Oh, I don't. Man. That's not for me to decide. Yeah. Um, but you did. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> right uh, enough. <laughs> everything's situational, damn it. Yeah, everything's situational. Do uh, your best. Don't give up. But if you think about giving up, yeah, maybe do or don't. 
Write it out. Okay. <laughs> God damn it. I wish I could totally redo this whole soapbox uh, thing if I could. Um, well, um, you can't. Um, That's totally fine. It was, it was great. Yeah. Justin just approved of it. Thank you, Collier, so much for coming in today. I <laughs> uh, hope to see you soon on the next show, hopefully. And, uh, and yeah, good luck. Thanks for coming in. Love you. I love you too. Love y'all. <laughs> write it out. Write it out. Write it out. Write it out. Talk about a noble profession. God bless him with all the gods. Um, so, Chris, now, a quick question uh, for you to explain. We didn't really talk about the football. Um, since you were already tasked with the AD trailer, can you also elaborate on the football. Collier was referencing um, the passing of things back and forth. Can you expand on that? Oh, man. Um, so the football is basically all of the, it's it's a collection of legal documents that pass through the AD trailer on any given day in a production that need to go back to the office because they need to be collected, categorized, and just kind of poured over. Um, so there's a lot of things that go on the football, but... Um, you know, one of the most important things are the exhibit G's. The exhibit G's are the times that the actors are on set when they break for lunch, when they get there, when they travel to the location, when they leave the location, all kinds of just sort of like legalese that's tied into their side contract. Um, and it gets them paid. They have to be accurate. Um, they have to be written out very well. There's corrections that do go in on them. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff, but those things, um, they need to pass through the AD office and we kind of sign off on all of those things, all those times. And then we have to get them back to the office. Um, so for example, that's just one thing that's in there. Um, but if there's an injury on set, the, the, the medic will have an injury report, um, that will go in, in there. All of the, this actually is, is changing because of, of digital things and, and technology is kind of changing things all the time. But we used to put all of the background vouchers. They would literally fill out like a, a actual paper copy. And we would put all of these carbon copies in the football with a breakdown of what all of the background, uh, what time they were in when they had lunch. And it corresponds to how they get paid for accounting. So there's just, there's all of these things that, that go to and from the office on a given day that, Collier and his team, then they get it the next morning and they start breaking it down and tackling all these things. And, and that's, yeah, that's a big part of like our communication. And um, uh, Collier referenced uh, the Teamster that didn't arrive on that particular example. Um, it's usually a Teamster driver that is delivering the football um, to the office. And um, even if we went fully digital, I feel like that job would still exist for the Teamsters. Yeah, I mean, there would be something. <laughs> there'd be something that has to go back, a physical copy, yeah, for sure. Yeah, they'll make sure that something stays physical. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, job security. Um, but uh, uh, the other thing uh, Collier had mentioned uh, to expand on, and this is now the football being passed back. Um, Collier mentioned the sides, but we didn't really go into what the sides are. And we've talked about call sheets before. Uh, can you just real quickly explain the sides? So the sides are, um, they're the actual pages from the script that we're going to shoot on that day. And um, 
And so, you know, we, we, our printers really just don't have the capacity to actually make those things in the morning. So they always kind of, they always come from the office. Yeah. Much larger copy machine. In the much, office. <laughs> much larger, much, much higher capacity and all on, you know, and the whole deal. And, um, you know, during COVID we did it all digitally where it was just sort of, it was in sort of your email and that it kind of works fine, but then it also really doesn't. Actors really do need to have that because they can't have their phones on them oftentimes. We can't see that in their costumes, whether it be a period piece or whatever. We just can't have their, you know, their phones right there so they would, you know, they can't take them out and look at the size. So they're, they're literally just sort of like the printed out uh, pages from the script. And then on top of that, it's the front of the call sheet, which has all of the information on what you're going to shoot that day. And it has the, you know, the, the scenes that you're going to shoot and sort of in order and all of that stuff. So, yeah. yeah. So we'll have the office make up, let's just say, you know, 25 small and, and five big. Um, I call those the early onset dementia sides. Yes. Um, <laughs> That's uh, someone in our group. Uh, I'll, I'll politely keep him nameless, even though he probably wouldn't care, but uh, he's the only person that asks for the big sides. And it's hilarious to me because, there's two of us wearing glasses in my group. <laughs> yeah. We're still getting the the smaller sides, yeah. which as, if you think about like an eight and a half by 11, cut that in half, which is literally what the production office is doing when they print the new ones out. They have a, a cutting board. Uh, so they're slicing these pages in half. And then for the early onset dementia people, as Chris <laughs> mentioned, that is the full eight and a half by 11 um, that, uh, let's be honest, older people are asking for. Yeah. So... Um, uh, and then uh, as far as the pages that we're shooting for that day, those are very vital to certain people and other people would probably just use it as painful toilet paper. Yes. Um, so like Justin and Sound, props, we are departments that we need those pages. Must have. Must have. Yeah. And actors, as you said, obviously they need them. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of other people that will demand the sides if, you know, it's been a while since I've been in, in the AD world, but it just always was a thing of like, why is the grip so demanding of this? Do you really need this thing? Because, yeah. you know, we got to go print more now because of you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're also nine hours into the day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's the, all of that can happen. I uh, just want something to read while I'm sitting Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, cell phone technology has made a lot of advances since then. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah. Um, so getting us out of here, uh, is there anything we've left out uh, as far as like kind of bridging that onset offset world? Because that's what I was wanting to bring attention to. I think the football is really the main, the main thing. Cause after that, you're talking about interdepartmental, like you're, you have onset offset members inside of a department. That's a whole other conversation. But um, anyway, let's get out of here. Y'all what is that a hot air balloon? Oh, wow. Okay. Well, Zoe, since you're here, you want to do your thing? One, two, better not suit. We want to hear from you, the audience. Do you have a behind the scenes story? Maybe you work in the industry or maybe you had a run in with reduction. You know, you live in New Orleans, New York, whatever, and some PA stopped you on the way to work and it was annoying. We want to hear about it. We want to hear about all of it. We love all the stories. Write us and maybe we'll read it on the show. Or maybe you just want to tell us that you love us or you really hate us and you want to fact check us because we're wrong about a lot of things. You control us, whatever you want to do. You might even want to guess where Joe or Chris are on any given day of the week. Uh, you can do that by emailing us at filmfolklorepodcast at gmail.com. It's filmfolklorepodcast at gmail.com. We do indeed want to hear from you. 
You can also find us on the social media. Instagram is Film Folklore Podcast. Facebook group is Film Folklore. Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, at The Film Folk. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us. We really want to hear from you. It's very important to us. Again, we work in the entertainment business, so we need a lot of validation. We're very pathetic, sad people, and we just, we really want to be reviewed. We want to know your honest opinion, and it means a lot to us, because you guys mean a lot to us. And for any of you that really like us and have some change burning holes in your pockets and, you know, just any money at all, like a credit card, we set up a donation with PayPal and Patreon. Links are in the show notes of this episode and our website. Money helps us do more fun things and we want to entertain you. Money helps you do more fun things, which helps us do more fun things, which is also helping you have fun. And it would be really nice. And we love you. Thank you. All right. And thank you all for joining us today. Uh, Chris, take us out. Bye. <laughs> I, I keep forgetting every time. The thing was supposed to be, that's rap, right? And we've done that once. We've done it once. <laughs> yeah. So,